Thanks for listening to the Art Tactic Podcast. I'm your host, Adam Green. It was really nice seeing so many of you in Switzerland last week for Art Basel. It was great catching up. I enjoyed the conversations. Although it isn't the easiest fair to get to, if you're coming from outside of Europe, Art Basel is easily the best fair in the world. For any of you who haven't been, I definitely recommend you consider going in the future, at least once. In this week's episode of the podcast, we chat with Naomi Ray, global news editor at Artnet News. Naomi is kind enough to join us to share her thoughts on this year's edition of the fair. Hope you enjoyed the episode. Thanks so much for listening. Thanks so much for coming on. Thanks for having me on, Adam. Absolutely. So before we dive into the actual fair, I'm curious your thoughts about Art Basel standing in the art fair and art world calendar as the art calendars become more full than perhaps ever before with so many fairs, auctions, shows. I'm wondering, has Art Basel's relevance diminished at all, or is it still considered the most important fair in the world? Uh, That's a good question. Um, And I think uh, it's definitely still considered the most important art where art fair in the world, and Art Basel is probably very happy that I, I said this. But the Art Basel brands uh-huh. are kind of a very powerful force. I think people have been talking about you know fatigue with the relentless cycle of events and art fair fatigue specifically for ages, but these people still up still turn up reliably for Art Basel. I think because they believe that the material that's brought, the people that it draws out, and the business that it facilitates to be unrivaled. Um, I think if you're looking kind of for an indicator, uh, take Freeze New York, which happened a couple of weeks before Art Basel. I think a lot of the collectors that we spoke to were kind of slower to bite on some of the major purchases. Um, And many of them said the same thing, that they were holding out because, you know, in a few weeks time, uh, Art Basel would happen and they were certain that the, the galleries would be sitting on kind of the better material. And so they wanted to hold out so that they uh, could spend at the fair. So I think it is understood to be the best fair um which isn't to say that art basel is perfect i think it's known as a you know a business first art fair which is you know usual because it's supposed to be for about selling art but i think as the lifestyle aspects of the art world have have kind of grown and, and the interest in it have grown over the years um you know it being only about business and less about fun has actually sort of started to move the needle on, on what people think about it um i think there've been complaints over the years uh, from uh, collectors about a couple of things i think i heard uh that you know, there's too much material that's kind of pre-sold before the fair uh, to make sure that the galleries can make up the escalating overhead costs. Um, And I think there's been a lot of uh, complaints really about the lifestyle in in Basel, the city itself. I think, you know, it's an important event um, and it draws out this uh, glut of high net worth uh, collectors, but I think that there aren't really enough luxury accommodations in the city to go around to satisfy them. And I think, um, yeah, there's just been a lot of complaints about that uh, over the years. Um, but people still come because it's an important social event and convening opportunity for the art world. Um, and I think in terms of competition in Europe uh, for that kind of lifestyle, um, I think 
Paris is is a, a, a potential competitor where the kind of museums, the hotels, restaurants, much more developed. But uh, Art Basel clearly kind of recognized that opportunity when it swooped in to take FIAC's place um, with Paris Plus. And it's really not going to be competing uh, with its flagship event. So I think uh, they're probably safe there in terms of the competition. Um, I think Art Basel is also aware of, of, of those kind of complaints. And one of the things that the new CEO, Noah Horowitz, has been credited with trying to do this year was, was to make the city more hospitable to um, the clients who come in for the fair. I think it, Art Basel joined a task force with the city's hospitality sector and other stakeholders um, to sort of arrange for restaurants to stay open later and relieve some of the kind of price gouging that was going on with uh, hotels around the city. Um, I don't know if anyone particularly felt the impact of that task force this year, but it's certainly something that the fair is kind of trying to do. It's, it's aware that that's kind of something that has entered into like the conversation about the success of the fair. Um, so yeah, I think that's, that's, it's still the most important fair. And I think, you know, there's, there's no beating some of the unique tax opportunities that Switzerland can offer for collectors as well. I agree with you. I think it's the most important fair when you think about the quality of art as well as the networking opportunities, just the caliber of attendees. And of course, relationships are so important in the art world, really no matter what your role is, if it's a collector, advisor, gallery, or even curator. And this despite the city and the lack of a certain level of accommodations. So if we talk about the actual art at the fair this year, of course, you have the two floors at the fair, the upstairs with generally more contemporary art, the downstairs with a bit more post-war or established art. Overall, at the fair, you really do have a variety of price points and time periods. Generally speaking, what types of art did you see were selling well and what types of art maybe were slower to move this year? Talking about the pace of sales at, at the fair is kind of a different, it's become a different question um, in recent years, I think, than it used to be. I think there used to be harder rules about the amount of kind of pre-selling activity that that is sort of technically allowed to go on before a fair. So the activity that sort of happened in the early hours of the fair um, was kind of really telling of, of kind of where the market was, you know, in real time. And I think that now there's a just a lot of pre-selling activity that goes on. So the, the sales that you're kind of delivered on the first day, um, you can't really tell whether they are were made kind of on the fairground or if they're kind of the result of, of weeks of work kind of happening in advance. But generally speaking, I think the majority of the, the, the sales that were reported uh, on the first day were for, you know, contemporary artists selling below the half a million dollar mark. So straight off the bat, there were kind of uh, announcements from galleries about sales of young artists uh, whose auction markets are on the rise, such as uh, Lucy Bull, who David Cordas. Kordansky sold a painting for between $100,000 and $150,000. Uh, European uh, Belgian gallery, um, Xavier Hafkins also sold two paintings by Ulala Imai for between $90,000 and $125,000. Um, in the sort of higher price bracket, I think the blue chip contemporary art also sold well in the early hours of the fair, at least the reports were coming out. Uh, plenty of sales over a million dollars sort of midway through the day were already kind of coming in. Um, 
Some of the top prices reported included uh, a George Condo painting at Hauser & Worth, which sold for $5.5 million. Uh, White Cube sold a Mark Bradford painting for $4.5 million. And Tadeus Ropak sold two George Basilis paintings for uh, €780,000. So, yeah, pretty, pretty solid performance um, sort of across the gamut there. Um, I think in general, uh, if it was slow anywhere, it was slower on the big ticket secondary market material. I think in the first couple of days of the fair, there was a $25 million Picasso that used to be part of the Whitney Museum President David Solinger's collection, which was on view at Landau Fine Art, hadn't moved. Uh, And the fair's most expensive work, which was a 60 million Rothko painting um, at Aquavella Galleries, um, also was on reserve. So it means hadn't sold. Um, So I think in general, this type of price point is much slower to move than other than the other sort of cheaper material. <clears throat> but at the same time, you'd think that mater- the dealers would be pretty confident in their ability to sell these works in such a public forum because people kind of tend to remember what was brought to Art Basel. So I think the sort of slower to move um, attitude reflected the fact that a lot of sellers, and, and this might not even be the dealers, it's, it's probably the consigners, uh, are kind of unwilling to adapt their prices to this sort of new market reality that we're in. Um, and I think, you know, consigners probably preferred to sort of try their luck at, at selling uh, one of these works in, in Basel than to sort of see it sell sort of at or below the low estimate uh, at auction. Um, but that said, I think that uh, you know, this this stuff was still moving. The the expensive secondary market stuff st- was still moving. Hauser & Worth had found a buyer uh, by the end of the first day for a, a 22.5 million Louise Bourgeois spider. Um, and then by the end of day two, although these sales were not reported publicly, uh, David Zwerner had sold a $20 million Joan Mitchell painting and Pace had also sold a Joan Mitchell triptych for $14 million. So I don't think it's fair to say that this stuff wasn't moving at all, but it it was slower, and that was remarked. And the fair follows the May auctions in New York, which were softer than expected. You have economic and political uncertainty persisting throughout different parts of the world. I think a lot of people were looking at Art Basel as the next significant event to gauge where the art market currently sits and try to figure out where things are going. So looking back now after the fair, was there a consensus takeaway regarding where the sentiment is at the moment in the market? Yeah, I think there were there were a lot of alarm bells ringing about the May auctions in, in New York as somehow signaling a, a turning point in the market. But I think at the same time, there was a kind of uh, the debt ceiling crisis was unfolding in the U.S. and that was kind of happening midweek at the auctions. I think some people panicked and then. I think even then the final kind of shake, if you look at the numbers, like the New York auctions, it was still a fairly respectable um, season. Um, but yes, I think definitely there was an awareness um, at the fair that the sort of rising interest rates, inflation and and sort of wider geopolitical uncertainty was finally kind of softening uh, the market. Um, but I think most of the people I spoke to saw what is happening um as a kind of healthy market recalibration. There was a sense uh, that was kind of widely repeated that that uh, prices of artwork had just gotten too high and it was out of control. Um, and I think that dealers or any dealers that who had kept their prices realistic throughout this period uh, were finally feeling somewhat 
vindicated. I think um, the in terms of the kind of general sense of, of, of kind of what was happening at the fair, I, I bumped into Pace Gallery president Mark Glimcher on the ground, and he, I think he said it quite well. He said, you know, if there's a, a recalibration underway, it's that people aren't buying art for ridiculous prices anymore, but they are certainly buying art for the right prices. I like that. That's a good line. You also said that younger artists were moving pretty well at the fair. We've seen a significant price increase on the primary market for not all, but several in-demand younger artists over the last couple of years. I'm wondering, are collectors talking about this? Are they starting to push back? Is this having an impact on demand for these artists? Yeah, I think there definitely there was there were complaints. I think I I've heard it so many times on the ground in Basel that the prices of living artists, you know, especially emerging artists, have just gotten way too high. Um, and I think especially at that emerging level, that's kind of a place where a lot of people enter the market. And I think the barrier to entry is now kind of a lot higher. And I think those prices have chased off some people who would have entered the market otherwise. And deterred others who are maybe more cautious about sort of betting larger amounts of money on on the sort of future of an artist's career. Um, I think the other thing that's playing on demand um, is the kind of financial circumstances that we sort of were speaking about a little earlier, that a lot of these kind of investor speculators, um, their financial financial circumstances have changed. um, And some of them whose kind of bread and butter were these young artists seem to have exited the market. And I think you're seeing that in the auctions and there's a demand ceiling on on the secondary market for these artists as a result. but it doesn't really seem that there's a demand ceiling on the primary market, um, especially for artists like someone like Chase Hall, whose auction market is kind of, you know, on, on the upswing. Um, I think the demand is still outweighing supply for kind of these hottest uh, young artists and they are long waitlist for access. Um, although these long waitlists wait might have gotten a little shorter and, you know, no gallery is going to tell you that. Uh, but I think what a few, you know, collectors and advisors told me on the ground is that they had noticed kind of there's a bit more leeway uh, on the negotiation front when it comes to sort of trying to access some of these artists who they might not have had uh, any sort of foot in the door with, uh, you know, 20 months ago. Um, I think that... Uh, the way they they observed this changing was that um, galleries who had sort of hitherto been attaching kind of restrictions or or conditions to the sales of these artists, um, such as BOGO, which is this uh, condition that a, a, a gallery must buy two works and donate one of them to a museum. Um, or if a gallery wants, or if a collector wanted access to one of these uh, hot young artists, they must also buy into the program for a less popular artist. I think there was kind of a sense from like quite a few advisors on the ground that there was a little bit less of that going on and a kind of return to a focus on sort of making the sale. I think a few advisors said that they were having to make sort of less of a case for their uh, clients um, and that uh, the owners of the galleries weren't necessarily sort of having to approve um, every single sale. So I think you can say from that, that maybe there's like a little less froth um, in that sort of segment of the market, um, if not necessarily a drying up of demand. And so as we look ahead, we have a little bit of a slower time during the summer in the art market, which happens each year. 
I'm curious, what are the next few events you'll be looking at to see how the market's doing? Um, well, as we speak, the London summer sales are beginning, and I think I'm curious to watch the performance of some of these younger artists on the secondary uh, market and see if kind of what I sort of am getting a sense for at Basel is sort of holding out. Um, and then I think for me, I'm based in London. So I mean, I'm, I'm sort of looking forward to... Um, freeze in london and the london uh, october sales and then i'll be going to paris for paris plus um before the fall sales in new york naomi thanks so much again for coming onto the podcast and helping us recap this year's edition of art basel we really appreciate your valuable perspective on things and if our listeners don't already they should definitely check out your writing and artnet news as well as your colleagues and you're also on social media often talking about the art world where can we find you there uh, yes, I'm most active on Instagram. Uh, my handle is at Naomi K. Ray. Perfect. Thanks again, Naomi. Great. Thanks, Adam.